Welcome back, my beautiful people. Yes, you are not seeing Randy Hammond. You are seeing my beautiful mug. I am back. Vince is back. Welcome back to Dong City, May 24th, episode number 61. Back, my beautiful people. Hold yes, up. you are not. Always happening to me. Oh, got two times Henry on this Like I said, episode 61, the Levon Hernandez special. So we were able to get a good one. Uh, did, did you guys give a number for 60? No, you want to give that one too? You have one offhand? Uh, I did. I have them kind of pre pre made, and and I'm not going there because it was Dallas Keuchel. So, oh yeah. Well, hey, he uh, he was festive about it this past week, so that's nice. Yeah, he definitely got dick punched this weekend, so I'm okay with it. Yeah. Well, welcome back, Henry. We uh we are glad to have you back here on Dong City. Not that Randy wasn't a suitable replacement. You guys are like kind of the same, just different ethnicities. Oh, we're not. Just because we're both fat doesn't mean we're interchangeable. <laughs> yeah. But I got fair, you know. I, I got to be careful because you know we we have two really good guys that you know come in the clutch when we need them, and and Randy and Melvin, and so I I can't take you know many breaks, and and neither can you because these guys are just ready to you know wally pip us. Yeah, and it's hilarious, too, that they're each of our, like, Melvin obviously replaces me and Randy obviously replaces right. you. It's never, like, you and Randy or, like, me and Melvin. Exactly. Um, yeah, but they they definitely do a great job. To make Randy's life, he's like uh, the Ronald Torres of the world, just coming off the bench, you know, doing his thing, like it's 2017. So I had a couple uh, hits. He had a couple hits this weekend, just saying. He did, and a game-losing error. I saw it. Yeah, he did. <laughs> so welcome back we have a lot to get to uh starting with something that i i honestly never thought i would see again as much as i shit all over no hitters and that was the yankee throwing one biggest story of the week Corey kluber of all people the one whose career was supposed to be over comes in and and i mean i know you watched the game henry i did too i have i have not seen stuff like that in a long time he was like boo and mario tennis like his shit was just going everywhere you know, it's funny in the age where we have, you know, velocity and, and, and big power pitchers, watching Clory Cooper's performance was amazing. I didn't watch many of the other ones. You know, you kind of tune in late once you get the phone alert after the sixth inning, after the seventh inning, you tune in, you start watching them. Watching Clory was, Corey was just absolutely amazing. He was just toying with them. His, his speed was changing, his location was changing. And then, yeah, after the sixth inning, let me just break out a changeup, which I haven't been using all game. Um, it was just masterful. Right, yeah, I, wicked stuff in and out of the zone, up and down. I mean, he had everything working, and his command was basically perfect. There were a few mistakes later in the game. I mean, you had your classic nice defensive plays, kind of keep the no-hitter. DJ had a wicked hop. He was able to handle Tyler Wade making a nice play in right field, which – Credit to Tyler Wade. He uh, now officially can play every position, I think, and pretty well. Tyler Wade is starting to maybe kind of come onto his own and, and turning into a really good utility player. He's a plus defender wherever you put him. He got tested. The minute he was put in right field, he was tested the first pitch. And he, like you said, he made a couple good plays that, you know, there was one, I think, in the eighth inning. It was hit off the bat, and I'm like, up, oh, that's a hit. And yeah. got it. There was another ball hit to DJ that was like this funky hop. And he caught it, and I'm like, all right, these guys are catching these balls. This is happening. Like, yeah. When you start seeing those plays happen, you're like, this is happening. And I saw there's something to it. The Yankee stat that I saw this morning I posted from The Athletic, they have saved eight defensive runs this month, um, which – 
if you were listening to Don City in April, I mean, one of the Yankees' huge problems was their defense, and it was there was truth to it. They were they had cost eight runs in April, so they've done a complete 180 defensively. You saw it in that game. Glaber Torres looking a lot smoother at shortstop. I, I was going to give Glaber some credit. He's he's not great defensively, but now he's not bad. He's okay. Yeah, I, I think he's average. I think and I'll take okay from him. Yeah. Uh, I will take that. I mean, if you're Glaber, he's up to 282. He's hitting all fields again. He looks like Glaber of old. If you're going to play average defensive shortstop, that solves a long-term problem for the Yankees. I, I'm content with that, especially with Gio over at third, who is a, a plus defender in my mind. Yeah, and Gio takes a lot of uh, covers a lot of ground going yep. to the left. So, so Uber no hitter. It is the sixth of the season. <laughs> the record is seven. Uh, Madison Bumgarner, of course, had a seven-inning no-hitter. That does not technically count as no-hitter. It begs the question that's been kind of being tossed around baseball life for really all year. And that is, I don't want to say is the no-hitter irrelevant. I want to say is, has it lost some luster? And I think we may feel a little differently on this. I know I feel differently from most of baseball life. So we'll start with you. What are your thoughts on this? I I don't think so. I I think what we're watching is, literally an anomaly you're watching we're just getting them one behind the other behind the other and kind of it's no hitter fatigue and then you throw in the fact of who's throwing them I think is what really stands out more than anything if you had Garrett Cole if you had Shane Bieber if you had Jacob deGrom throwing them then you know maybe we're not you know raising our eyebrows so much but you got guys that shouldn't be throwing them throwing them but I think it's still a special thing. 27 outs is 27 outs. You get them without giving up a hit. It's an amazing accomplishment. I, I, like I said, I think the combination of the guys who are throwing them with the frequency that they're being thrown, I think it balances itself out. I don't think we see 12 or 16 of them this year. I think we're going to go a long period without seeing another one. You know, We'll probably end up with around 8, 10. Yeah, I guess I tend to to kind of fall midway through there. I I think just by definition, regardless of who's throwing it, because you're right, it's kind of weird, like the DeGroms and Coles and Beavers of the world aren't throwing them. Uh, it's the Wade Miley's, Corey Kluber's, like kind of journeymen to long-term vets who are. And a lot of that, as it's been pointed out, has to do with competition. I mean, the Mariners and Rangers are pissing no hitters to people right now. Um, so if you face them, you have a better chance. Yeah. What weird, what... It, I, I think though you can't deny, you know, we're getting five a year now. In the early 2000s, we were not getting five a year. I mean, there's no there's no way to slice that number up any differently. It's more common to throw a no-hitter today regardless of who's throwing it. But when it's your team, and this is what I realize now getting to watch my own team do it, because I kind of just chalked it off. I was like, we're just never, like the Yankees aren't a pitching team historically. They're not a team who does things it's impressive pitching. This year's been a complete 180 from probably any year of my life, maybe since 98, um, from a pitching standpoint. But this year, I mean, it's watching it as a fan still has all of its luster. <laughs> the Yankees could throw three no-hitters this year. It's going to be just as exciting once that seventh inning hits. You're counting down every out. You, you know, you're nervous for Kluber or whoever it is. All of that's still there. For me, though, the the accomplishment as a baseball accomplishment, it's saturated. And there's something to be said for it. I mean, there's no way of denying it. It just happens more now than it did then. And that's something that you can't change. Um, but when it's your team, it's just as exciting. So I don't I don't really know if it makes a difference. Yeah, I mean, we I'm looking at the list of no hitters and and 
you've always had guys on there that don't belong. Your Alec Mills, your your Lucas Giolito, you know, Justin Verlander had one. You you expect a guy like Justin Verlander. Then Mike Fires had one in in 19. James Paxton, I forgot, had one in 18. Edison Volquez. So these aren't like these. Mike Fires had two. Holy shit. (laughs) Mike Fires, to be fair, I mean, he's obviously not a great pitcher, but when he is on, he is very tough to hit. He's got really good upside. And then we've had one, two, three, four, four combined no hitters in the last few years. Yeah. If you, part of the the lore of it is it's, it's guys that shouldn't be throwing them. Yeah. Chris Heston, like, come on. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that is a weird thing. I can't explain that. I don't know why it's the average. I don't know if hitters are, like, losing focus. One of the things we can discuss with it is the offensive approach. I mean, the offensive approach to me is the – that's the starting point for why there's more of them because hitters are taking a more all-or-nothing approach. We have extreme shifts that we know correlates directly to cutting down batting average. Uh, there's more strikeouts, so there's less contact. All of those things contribute to no hitters. There's no denying it. Uh, offensive approach maybe is part mental. When a guy like Wade Miley's on the mound, you're not treating it like when Garrett Cole's on the mound. I think it's, I don't think it's fully that. I think it's more the pitching. I think the pitching is getting better faster than the hitting is getting better. I think yeah. we're seeing guys throw triple digits more than we ever have before. Throwing 100 miles an hour before used to be like an amazing thing. You probably got like eight guys in the MLB that can throw 100. Um, so I, I think you have velocity is a big problem. The way the bullpens get used now, they're more strategic. So you have guys like Cole and DeGrom throwing 98 to 100 for five innings. Then they'll bring in somebody throwing high 80s, low 90s, and then they'll bring in two or three more fireballers all throwing 95 to 100. I mean, it, it's just the velocity of pitching is what's doing it, in my opinion. You're still getting a lot of complete games, though. That's what's bizarre. <laughs> but um, it's funny. I was in the bar. I was at a bar watching the Yankees White Sox game on Friday um, when it was Montgomery versus Rodon. They both just. How did, how did it feel to be at a bar? It was so weird. It, it's weird, too. I don't know how it is up there in Florida. You pretty much don't have to wear masks anymore, um, which Florida. I. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all pandemic. I was I was defending Orange County because they had a mask mandate. So like I was acting just like everyone else in the country, even though Florida had such a bad reputation for it. But now, pretty much like a lot of people still wear them, but you don't have to. And since I'm fully vaccinated and out of the incubation period or whatever, like I'm like, all right, I don't I don't have to anymore. Like I've I've earned that in my mind. So the CDC sending us wonderfully mixed messages every other right. Yeah. Like I, I can't trust anyone at this point. So I'm just going to use my own judgment. My own judgment is I'm with my family. Who's all fully vaccinated in a corner, like socially distanced from people. Fine. So I'm in a bar, which I haven't been in, in like a year and a half. And I'm watching the game. It's Rodon versus Montgomery. They struck out like 24 combined batters between the two of them. And I, um, just watching that game yeah it's funny I was watching this special on MLB network on a different TV and I think I never caught what the trend was was the top 20 of something and it was pitchers I don't know if it was like the most intimidating pitchers or something but it was hilarious because they they had a picture of Bob Gibson with the Cardinals and obviously one of the most intimidating most dominant pitchers ever they lowered the mound because he was so dominant with his 1.12 ERA that year but he held a sign up like Wilt Chamberlain, when he had his 100-point game, it said 98 because he hit 98 in that game. 
and that was like outlandishly hard throwing. And you just think about like the Rays last year with Kevin Cash's statement of stable of 98. You have six guys in a, on a roster now who could do that. So absolutely, velocity is way, they're throwing way harder than ever before. And obviously that's harder to hit. So I think we saw a shift in the last decade or so with analytics. And I think analytics was focused on the offensive part of the game. Then I think it focused on defenses where we see the shifts happening, you know, the, the variations of the shifts, because it's not just one shift, you know, we saw all those things happen. And now you're seeing pitching analytics spin rates, you know, all these yeah. things going on. And I think that the pitchers are just dominating so much more than the hitters. And it's just, it's so lopsided and MLB is clamoring for offense. And here you got pitchers just throwing no hitters left and right. So it's, it's like the perfect storm. Yeah. I am curious for those listening, let us know. What do you think is the reason behind this influx of no hitters? Uh, probably not one answer, but however many answers you want to give, I'd be curious. I, I think, like we've been saying, it's a combination of things. Pitchers are throwing harder. They have better stuff because they're throwing harder. Uh, I think the offensive approach has changed, obviously, more towards all or nothing. So you have less contact. And then with that less contact, you have more extreme shifts to hedge against that contact. So probably a combination of that stuff. I'd be curious so with I'm going to say this. So you know I'm a fan of the shift. Yeah, I do. I, I like the shift because of the strategic element of things I don't like about you I understand I love the shift <laughs> but I am okay with getting rid of the shift if you want to see more offense yeah well it's the first step you have to take I mean I mean you can talk about moving back the mound you can talk about lowering the mound again to cut down on velocity and all that's fine I think it should be at least be explored but the easiest way to encourage contact that is not contact going over a fence is to limit the shift. And I don't like using the term eliminating the shift because you're not really eliminating it, you're limiting it. Right. Um, keep the two defenders on either side of second base. You can still shift, it's just less extreme. And that's gonna raise batting average, especially for lefties. And that's going to eliminate a little bit of the emphasis on exit velocity and on launch angle because then they're going to go back to, okay, we don't have to aim to hit the ball 110 miles per hour to beat the shift, and we don't have to aim to hit it 450 feet. We have other options. Because everyone who wants this, oh, just hit it the other way, it, it, that shift sailed. That's just not what they're doing. They I don't, don't like that. You, want you to do that. You can't do that. It's yeah. easy for us as fucking fat fuck fans to sit there behind a TV yelling, hit it the other way, drop a bun, all that stupid shit. You can't do that when you have 99 coming right at your face or a 96 mile per hour slider that's just darting away. You can't go the other way. If it was that fucking easy, they would do it. It's just not that easy. Yeah. I love whenever, like, Ted Williams beat the shift all the time. I'm like, great. He also hit 406. It kills me. How many guys do that? You see the forums in the comment sections and fans are like, just go the other way. Shut the fuck up. You don't know what you, I played baseball at a very high level. Going the other way is very hard. It is not that easy. Derek Jeter made a career out of it. There's guys that make a career out of it because it's not that easy. Hey, I mean, Matt Carpenter said this in Sports Illustrated a few years ago. Uh, he just, you can't, I mean, when guys are throwing 98 mile per hour cutters inside on lefties, 
you can't hit that to left field with any at all. So it just it's a silly argument that gets made over and over again. Leon brings up an interesting question. Would you compromise for shifting during a count, which I assume to mean a specific count, which I've never thought of before? No, I think if you get rid of the shift, you got to get rid of the shift. Or maybe you limit the, you know what you could do? You could have like a shift count. Like you can only shift X number of times a game to kind of. That's not a terrible idea. You know, where you, if they want to target an extreme pull hitter, and say, okay, we're going to fucking limit this guy, and this is the guy we're going to attack with our shifts, you know, our three shifts a game or whatever. Maybe you you have some sort of balance there, or, you know, like, uh, you know, like Brandy said, maybe don't get rid of all shifts, but you get rid of the extreme shifts. Yeah. Or you get it, rid of dumb shit I mean. like five infielders, you know. Right. I don't think you need to draw a box for every single infielder and say, stay in this box. I think you just need to make it as simple as two guys on left, two on right. And I never say this, but MLB with a lot of these things is on the right track. They're going very slow and to a fault. Like this stuff should have been sorted out two or three years ago, but I think they're on the right track. Time, you know. What's that? This stuff takes time and it's, it's got to go through. It the does. Yeah, you can't just does. throw it out there. They got the balls right. Um, unjuicing the balls is the right call. That's now going to cut down on the ability to hit home runs. There's one outcome. I think limiting the shifts is going to aid towards that. I find it very fascinating what they're doing in the minors right now, which is I'm limiting the pickoffs and how you pick off, because that will then encourage base stealing. You encourage base stealing, that means you want more base runners. So I think that is also something you have to look into to fix. I thought, I thought you were going somewhere else, actually. I thought you were going to go with the Atlantic League. I don't know if you see what they're doing. With what? The Atlantic League is actually moving back the pitcher's mound, the foot. So that's what I mentioned earlier. I my idea as as late as three years ago was lower the mound again. Cutting down on velocity, I think we can agree, is something that that's a goal here. I mean, it's cool to see a guy throw 102, but it's obviously not great for the game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I whether it's moving it back, I don't know. I don't know anything about how that that affects injuries or anything like that. So I don't, I don't have those stats. And lowering the mound, I don't either. But I think something like that can be worked on. Yeah, they, they think moving the mound, or the theory is, Theo Epstein was explaining, remember he works for MLB now, that moving the mound back and a, a foot, yeah. they expect a little less velocity and they expect pitchers to get tired faster. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Uh, I don't know how- Expectation, if it'll happen, we'll see with the data, like everything is, everything is data. Right. And I don't know how much I like pitchers getting tired faster yeah. because I don't like- like, I like having a starter who can go six innings. I, so I, I don't think a pitcher being tired is going to equate to him being taken out the game more as much as it is he'll have less velocity throughout the game. Because now the pitchers will have to learn not to give 100% more jump. You know, you'll have to keep something yeah. to tank. Yeah, that could be interesting. Uh, Leon also mentioning automated strikes. And I, I, I'm, I'm, Robo, I'm so yeah, coming. Totally pro it. I've been pro it. Ever since I saw the Astros in the playoffs, I've been pro umpire, uh, the robot umpires. I'm tired. I did, look, it's going to impact Garrett Cole. I'm sure we saw him get some calls over the weekend. You see it with great pitchers. I don't care. I, I you know, I he'll figure it out. He's a good enough pitcher. But when I saw the Verlanders and Keuchel's of the world getting an extra foot in the strike zone over and over again, I was sold then. I'm still sold now. Get it right. I mean, get it right. We hate things like replay because it takes extra time. 
robot umps don't take extra time. It's just getting the call right at the root. That's what we all want is just get the call right, make it fair, make it even on both sides. It's annoying as hell when they get the call wrong, you have replay, they take 20 minutes to get it wrong. I, I don't understand how they haven't perfected a you know, replay system yet. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, tennis and hockey's had this figured out for years, uh, just being able to limit how long it takes to do replay. They have the technology. Tennis replay is unbelievable. Randy and I talked about it last week. I don't, I don't get it. Although I will say, I saw one very fast call yes, in yesterday's game, which impressed me. So I don't know how that happened or what, but in my mind, there, if you're going to have a, a central station in New Jersey or whatever that, that is responsible for this, they should be reviewing every single play as it happens. That way, if the umpires get the challenge call and they want to go and, and hear it, it's already known whether they're safe or not or wherever the call is, and it should take no more than 30 seconds. So I don't know if you see this hanging here. Yeah, I wanted to get so we yeah we've got some different backgrounds going here. You I, visited the museum, right? I had the benefit of going to the Negro League Museum, which look at the smile on my face. I'm telling you, if you have never been, you need to go. So when you walk into the rotunda, the National Jazz Museum is on its left, the Negro League Museum is on its right. You can buy one ticket that's cheaper for both of them. I didn't have the time to do both. I really wish I did the Jazz Museum. I don't think I had enough time to do the, the Negro League Museum because I left and I was like, I want more. I need to spend more time. Um, that was just an amazing place. That and, and this Kansas City Monarch shirt that I got that is a 2X and those following my weight loss journey will tell you I'm glad to fit in some, into some 2X stuff these days. Is that um, a 1X down or 2? No, well, I was a 3X. I was a 4X in some shirts. This is a 2X, and this fits pretty decently. Yeah. Um, Kansas City Monarchs look cool. I got that, which I had to get. And then I got three, three bobbleheads. <laughs> Who are they? Tony Stone, one of the three female Negro League players. Wow. Mini Minosa and I mean, come on, Elston Howard. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> well, the funny story is I'm in the museum and the shop. This I got I got a glass, I got shot glasses. $333 later, I got a whole bunch of shit. Wow. I, I, yeah, I got this book, which is pretty cool. Nice. Um, there's a lot of shit that I didn't get, but there's a ton of stuff I did get. So there's this guy there. I don't know where he's from. He's with his dad. I mean, he's with, yeah, he's with his father. And they see the black Yankees jersey, and the guy's like, oh, that's so cool. Let's get it. The back of the jersey is a number two, right? Yeah. So the snarky-ass dad is like, oh, I can't believe they did this for Derek Jeter. This is disgusting. <laughs> I'm like, dude, do you know who the fuck wore number two? It's Elston Howard's number. It's not Derek Jeter's number. And he's like, oh. And everyone in the museum is just fucking laughing. He was a good sport about it, but he looked like a complete douchebag. One of these Yankee haters that is just, you know, like imagine them putting a Derek Jeter number on a black Yankees jersey and them selling it. Like, but there, the stuff that they had at this place, I really thought I knew a lot about Negro Leagues. I knew nothing. Yeah, I went in there. Leave. I left. I was like, I probably knew ten percent of this stuff, if that. Why? 
I, I'm more curious, actually, the Jazz Museum. Why is that in Kansas City? I don't know the specifics. Um, they share a same space. I, I mean, it, it's Kansas City. It's rich jazz history. When you when you're going to the museum, where the rotunda's at, you're in the da the jazz district. So there's some cool warehouses and some stores, and it's a pretty cool area. I wish I had more time there, um, but it was it was really cool, man. And then they had I posted a ton of pictures on, in the group. They had um, hold on, it's telling me I was signed out again. That's the second time it's done that. Um, sorry. So then I, um, you go through the museum and you leave. And when you leave, there's a replica baseball field with bronze statues that are the sizes of the actual players. That's you have Josh Gibson behind home plate. You have Satchel Pays on the pitching mound. It's fucking amazing. And it's like a replica field. It's just a very happy place on earth if you can get to it. I have to ask the obvious question, uh, not to put you in a bad spot, but I'm going to. Negro League Museum, Roberto Clemente Museum. I'm not choosing. Which way? If you had to go to one of them, where are you going? If I, if I had to go to one, my fandom will say the Roberto Clemente Museum. Yeah. The history side of me will say the Negro League Museum. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I am, for the record, wearing uh, the Clemente shirt today. So, Pick but that, that is a. You funny you bring that up. I probably haven't felt that excited to do anything baseball related since the Clemente Museum. I remember ooh, I went to so many baseball museums recently. Uh, I think it was the Reds Hall of Fame. They had like a little section that was Negro Leagues, Reds, pretty old franchise. Uh, that was very, very fascinating to me. It had, it's weird because obviously the stats are not, you know, set in stone, whatever. They had some players in these team photos unidentified <laughs> that were from the Negro. It's like like that's mind blowing to me. There was there was so again we know about the Negro leagues what we think we do right, but now you go there and you see actual photos and actual press clippings of the way the news was reported then and the way these black ball players were talked about and it's just like absurd to just see. The, the grotesque shit that was written about them and how things were written and how they were slandered and how they were talked about. It was just, it's crazy to watch all these clippings and you have all these quotes and you, you know, you have a water fountain with the colors here and whites only side. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff there that's just absolutely amazing. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I'm glad you got to go. Uh, if anyone else has been to the Negro League Museum, obviously let us know your experiences too. I'm curious. I've never been to Kansas City, so if I ever find myself there, that is definitely somewhere. Now that I know it exists, a barbecue. Something I'd check out. The yeah, I I would say the museum, but I would like to do the whole jazz district all over again. Yeah. You know, spend some time there. I had to drive to Kirksville, which was like three hours away, so I didn't have that much time in Kansas City. But the barbecue, man, I told you guys in food life. If you're not in food life, get in food life. The barbecue was amazing. So the barbecue in the museum, my weekend was lit. Yeah, that is sweet. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. My brother graduated from medical school and became a doctor. Uh, but, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, barbecue, medical school, you know. Yeah. Tough, tough for him. Um, well, that's very neat. So I, it's, we transition here as I'm reading. Yeah. Rise into it. Um, yeah, I mean, let, so let's get into some of the other baseball that's going on right now. And I think, Henry, we're getting to the point, and it's kind of funny because the old adage is don't look at the standings till Memorial Day. 
-hmm. Well, as we head into Memorial Day, you look at the standings and it's pretty much starting to turn out exactly as we expected. And that is because we can start with the AL East. The Rays have now won 11 in a row. Hottest team in baseball. Fucking guys do not. They just were like, oh, you guys were shitting on us on Dong City? Hold our beers. Yeah, they are murdering the baseball. They're doing their usual pitching thing. They've won 11 in a row. They just absolutely stomped the Blue Jays out of really, really out of the race for now. I mean, the Blue Jays are now five and a half back of the Rays. Uh, they were vying for the division last week. Yeah, we <laughs> So uh, in this division, you lose seven out of 10 and you fall into fourth place. The Red Sox have won seven out of 10 and fallen out of first place because of the Rays. The Rays are now in first. Red Sox are half game back. Yankees a game behind the Rays, so a half game back to the Red Sox. That's your top three. They're all within one game now. Um and then you have the Blue Jays five and a half back after that. So in my mind, the AL East is starting to look how it's probably going to look. I think the Red Sox are going to continue falling. Uh, you're starting to see a little chinks in the armor as far as the pitching goes. It's it's getting worse in my mind. Well, it's funny because you take the if you take the Yankees and their five ninety six win percentage, yep. and you dumped in in any other division that's not the NL West, they'll be in first place. Yeah, well, I had I had said the top three records in the A in the AL are all in the East. The top three records in the NL are all in the West. So it's very very unbalanced right now divisions in baseball between those two. Um, you know, Red Sox still have the offense. They're going to have the offense all year. That's why I don't think they're going to be like a ninety loss team by any means. But I do think they'll probably end up in the mid to high eighties, and that's not going to be good enough for first or second place in the AL East. Uh, maybe not third place. I didn't think the Red Sox were serious. They're still playing good ball, man. I mean, you, you got to give credit where credit is doing, and Cora is getting every ounce of juice out of that fruit that they have there, man. Yeah, it, and Sean brings up a good point. The Blue Jays were actually hot until they played three, so uh, and now they play the Yankees starting tomorrow in, in a in a series there. So we're gonna another good barometer for the Yankees. They've been hot themselves. They won out eight out of ten, six in a row now. Um, but they play the Blue Jays, another test. They played the Rays, took two out of three. They played the Rangers, took care of business there, three out of four. They swept the White Sox, which in my mind was another statement. Which I called. <laughs> yes, you did. I called did. before the series started. Yes. I said, the Yankees are going to sweep. Everybody laughed fall. at me. Yep. I, uh, yeah, I had two out of three one way or another, but uh, that didn't work out. So, yeah, Yankees do sweep the White Sox twice on a walk-off which was not something they were doing in April. And then, of course, you know, the Red Sox haven't, again, they haven't been struggling. It's just the Rays and Yankees are hot, and now the Yankees play the Jays. And this is a big series for Toronto. They've fallen to 500. They're hitting well. I mean, Vlad is hitting the cover off the ball. Orioles woken up a little bit. Did he take the uh, home run lead today? He did, yep. 17 now, I think. And so kid is, is he's, he's the truth, man. Yeah, I it, you know some hard luck losses. They blew a game. I think they blew two games. The Rays. They blew the game against the Red Sox. That JD Martinez home run. When are they moving back to Buffalo? That happened. Uh, yeah, I think May like I, Friday. I think might have been their last game in Dunedin. So they are. Uh, yeah, they should be in. I, I'm pretty sure they're in Buffalo. Guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but. Yeah, it is a big series for them. They play the Yankees tough, so it's going to be an interesting series. You want to know how well Vlad is hitting? How well? Vlad took the lead in war 
just by having negative defensive. <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah, he, he's a terror. That lineup's a good challenge again for the Yankees, uh, whose pitching has been the best. Ricky, they, they, Ricky's in the chat section. Hey, Ricky, what's up, brother? <laughs> I can see you on them threads, Ricky. I don't know if you can call it gifted, Ricky. I mean, the last game, the White Sox had to hit three home runs off the bullpen just to tie it. Um, and the first game, they, you know, they just got out gold. There's <laughs> no other way of getting around it. And the middle game was a blowout. But you No, know, it's funny. That Cole, that Cole game really sunk me in my fantasy league because Mike had – he's in the group. Mike had Garrett Cole, and I had Dylan Cease. Oh, so, yeah. I – Look, the White Sox will be fine. Um, I don't. I think that series said more about the Yankees than it did about the White Sox. Just the way that they're pitching right now. You, you they ran in. The White Sox ran into a buzzsaw. I mean, the rotation's at 35 consecutive innings, shutout innings. And I, I also wonder what the background noise created by Tony Larusa is doing. Also, I do think that that team's a little disjointed. I was telling Matt Bushnell that you could see it. Just it's not it's not that cohesive right now. In my mind, I phrased it as the Ewing theories is 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 falling off for them a little bit. I think the White Sox got very hot once Robert went down because sometimes that happens with teams. They kind of overcompensate losing their best player. Now I think they're coming to earth a little bit. They're realizing they're struggling on offense. It's going to be hard to produce runs when you're on your two best players. Randell can't keep hitting 136 even with a 400 on base percentage or whatever he has. But he seems to be getting a little hotter. He's hitting for more power. So I think the White Sox in that division are going to be okay. There's no – I mean, the Twins are 12 games under 500, so they're not coming for the throne anytime soon. They're nine and a half behind the White Sox in late May. Well, nobody told the Twins to stumble on their dicks on the way out the gate. Like, I didn't think the Twins were going to be this bad. I mean – I didn't. Like, I, I don't think anyone's. I mean, you could have predicted them not to win the division. You did not think they were going to be in dead last and the worst team. They're tied with the Orioles' worst record in the AL. Absolutely brutal. So uh, Royals have come back to earth. They're you know around. They're one game under 500. Tigers are awful, like we thought. So really, you're only talking the Indians, and the Indians have their own problems. I think the White Sox are really okay. They should be. You know, they may win like 90 games this year. But that may be enough to win the division, unlike the AL East. <laughs> AL East, that might get you third in the in the AL Central. I think that wins the division. So, now going back to your, going to back to your point about Grandal, the problem is I think Gary Sanchez from a few years ago and JT Realmuto has kind of uh, spoiled everyone with what they think catchers should be offensively, and it's just not the case. Catchers don't they're not hitting anymore. No, no. one. There's only three catchers that are slugging over 600. Yeah. Uh, if you're a catcher and you're hitting above like 220, <laughs> you're you're pretty much holding your own as a catcher. I, I mean, it's crazy. The trade-off there is you have to be a good defender. Um, you know what's crazy is JT Ramoto is hitting 294, but he's only slugging 486. Yeah, he, he has not had a lot of uh, extra base hits. So White Sox, like I said, I, I think they're fine. They still have really good pitching. They have a good bullpen. They have enough offense just like the rest of that division al west in my mind it's it's obviously a's and astros and everyone else the astros are an interesting team they have a really good offense and their pitching is just so inconsistent that team is just they get hot and then they get cold and then they get hot and then the astro fans come out and talk shit again they get cold <laughs> yeah. and these guys disappear we don't hear from them until they get hot again at, at least 
the Met fans, the Yankee fans, the Angel fans, the Cub fans, the couple White Sox fans, our guys are consistent. The Astro fans are not consistent, man. Even the Boston fans we have in the group, I'm sorry. You guys should be telling everybody to suck your dicks. And these guys are nowhere to be found. Inevitably, when I post later this week, because one of my questions to you, Andrew, I'm curious. We'll say by Memorial Day, over under games, the Red Sox are in first place the rest of the year. Because I think it's None. Zero. None. Yeah. I don't think they're returning. They might return to first place the next day or two because they're only a half game out. So, you know, a, a raise loss tomorrow and they could be in first. I don't think by the end of this week, the Red Sox will be in first place for the rest of the year. Um, if I, if I, when I tag that, because I will, not <laughs> to Aaron, uh, who was posting the standings all throughout April as the Red Sox were in first by like four games, he will respond. He, you know, him, Johnny Ortega, they, they'll respond when I do it. Where Astros fans don't. They, they hide in the closet until they come out once every so often, and then they disappear. You make a post about the Yankees doing something egregious, and you have these guys, oh, Yankee fans are typically, yeah, shut the fuck up. We have nowhere to be found in this group. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, teams that you, you got the same groups, like Mets fans, I'm giving them props. You know, Cub fans, we have a ton of Cub fans, and they, they love their Cubs, you know. Mike, Mike Harvey is, is single-handedly holding down St. Louis, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I'll say for Cubs fans, I know I shit on the Cubs a lot. And to their credit, they're still, you know, shitty division. They're, they're above 500. They're in the thick of things. Fine. That's that's as best as you can hope for a Cubs team that's sold its Look, best player. They're keeping it interesting. They yeah. have a positive run differential. That they're lineup is, is doing as well as you can want them they're to do. playing exciting. Yeah, they're they, KB is creating uh, some value there for a trade that might not happen. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Cubs fans are mostly an optimistic bunch. I, I see them in their chats. They just like watching the Cubs, and that's more power to them. I jumped in that game thread yesterday when I saw Nolan Arenado strike out, you know, when he had a chance to do something. Yeah. So I, I hopped in there real quick. <laughs> of course he did. I was – so last night in fantasy, I'm tied in home runs. I had Paul Goldschmidt, my opponent at Javi Baez. I'm like, all I need is a Goldschmidt home run. I'll take a category and then Baez homer is instead. So I lost it entirely. Baez an anomaly, man. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I you know, and we move over to the NL. The NL to me, as it has been the last few years, is more interesting than the AL because the AL, I think you know what you're going to get. You're going to have two teams that are AL East or legitimate World Series contenders. Slice that up any way you want. You're going to have Oakland, who's going to be there. <laughs> how, how far you think they can go depends on what you believe. Hey. And then you've got the AL Central winner. That's essentially how it boils down. Uh, the NL, though, is even crazier this year, I think, because A, San Diego's giving the Dodgers and probably will continue to give the Dodgers a legitimate run for their money for the division. So the Dodgers, who were this juggernaut, and now are back to that status. They've won nine out of ten. Um, they're, you know, even with the injuries, they've figured they both, out. Uh, by the way, they both won nine out of ten. Yeah, they're both red hot. Dodgers just sent the Giants back to earth. Um, Giants still nine games over 500, still have the third best record in the NL. But the Dodgers and, and Padres are interesting. They're going to have a division race all year round. And and I still think no matter what happens in the AL, those are the two best teams in baseball. I'm here for it. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, it's thrilling. I mean, it's great theater. They don't like each other. They play really good games. They're going to be in it till the end. They both have just great rosters. It's, it's very rare you can get a divisional matchup that you're excited about that doesn't include your team. And these two yeah. teams are that. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, I would think this is how people felt in the early 2000s with the Yankees Red Sox. Like, you may not like either of those teams, but you knew they hated each other. They were going for the World Series. They're division rivals, and they hate each other, uh, even if you also hate them. So that, that's what I'm feeling with Dodgers Padres. I don't hate either of those teams, but I love watching them hate each other. <laughs> so it's good theater. NL Central is exciting for different reasons. None of those teams, I think, are going to do anything in the playoffs. But you have a three-team race. I mean, the Brewers are three games out of first. They're in third place. Yeah, but they, have, they, they free fell so bad. Oh, yeah. I, this is what the Brewers do, though, is when they don't have the hitting, which is, I mean, if they don't have dominant pitching, they're not going to win a lot of games. They are only built to win games pitching-wise because that offense is just maddeningly inconsistent can the division be any more boring than the NL Central? The Cardinals are the pinnacle of NL Central baseball. Jesus Christ, that is the most boring fucking division ever. I don't want to see any of those two teams play one another. No, I agree. I have zero. I'll interest. watch those teams play other teams. I don't want to watch any of those two teams play one another. Not even Cards, Cubs. Cards, Cubs last night was the pinnacle of NL Central Baseball. Zero, zero into extra innings. Just the least hitting possible primetime Sunday night game. Did A-Rod do the game? I, I don't know. Did he have a new makeup line? <laughs> I, I followed I followed on, on GameCast as I watched better things like the Knicks game and uh, Bro, and, and I, 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 I saw a man came out with a makeup line for men. Yeah. I'm like, yo, this is this has got to be a joke, and and it wasn't. My man came out with a makeup line for men. If I wasn't so sure that was going to make money, that would have been a great boom-headed candidate. But, but it, it, it's 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 freaking my man. The the look, the the spot that they use, the picture that they use is just so reminiscent of the Central Park mirror shot. Remember that when they got a picture of him kissing himself in the yeah. mirror. It just, it's so many reminders of that. It, it's just, it was fucking brutal. I, I saw the ad for it. I'm like, this can't be serious. This dude doesn't have a line of make. He's not competing with J-Lo for makeup. Like, and yeah, the fuck he is. Yeah, I was taken by surprise too. Uh, that say you're right, full of surprises. But the, uh, yeah. So I've I never seen a more insecure man in my life. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Even yeah. Nolan Arenado is more secure than A-Rod. By the way, here's a hilarious, hilarious stat. If you add up the run differentials of the top three teams in the NL West, you get, and I'm doing quick math here, plus 194, which in this stage of the season is insane. Which, you, which division? NL West, plus 194, their top three teams. If you add up the run differential of the top three teams in the NL Central, it is plus eight. <laughs> it's not 194, the NL. Plus one. Uh, no, you're right. It's, it's, hold on. Plus 147 for the top two. Plus 47. Yeah, 194. Top three teams. Where are you looking? Which division? I'm sorry. NL West. Oh, Five NL West. I'm looking eight. at AL West. No wonder. No, no. Yeah. yeah. NL West plus 194. Yeah, yeah. AL or NL Central plus eight. <laughs> That's the difference in talent there. Disgusting. 
the and the NL East is negative seventeen. I mean, that's a real that that division is. I thought that was going to be in the to watch. I thought that was going to be the division to watch even really? more so than the AL East. There's so much talent in the NL East, and granted, the Mets have their injuries. I, I mean, you know, Dodgers have had their injuries. injuries. Yeah, Mets have had a lot of injuries. I get it. They are in first place, so credit to them. They're still in first, but 21 and 19, they're leading the division. A negative 13 run differential. The Braves are starting, I think, to come on a little bit now. I think they're starting to get it together. I don't think their pitching is great, but the offense is starting to click. Austin Riley's been playing like he's on another planet, and Acuna is back and healthy and also playing really well. So and they've got that going for them. You know what I want to talk about real quick? Yeah. And it only took a third of the season. Mets fans are tired of James McCann's shit. Yeah, I mean, it, look, this is unless you were a Mets fan, we all knew what was going to happen with James McCann. Uh, I said it, you said it, Matt Bushnell said it, any White Sox fan said it. He's not a starting catcher, and they paid him starting. They paid him forty million dollars over four years. Not necessarily elite starting catcher money, but that's more than a bench player. <laughs> so, hey, JT Realmuto was the move for them. Yeah. I, I I was not a big McCann guy. Uh, he was never going to be that guy. It would have been like paying Austin Romine a, a four-year, $40 million deal in my mind. It, it's a guy who looks good when he's put in situations to succeed. It's not a guy who's going to carry your pitching staff all year round. Yeah. Um, but the Mets considering, I mean, they, are, they, they have a lot of injuries. J.D. Davis coming back soon. I think you're going to get Seth Lugo back pretty soon. Syndergaard's on a rehab assignment. DeGrom's on a rehab assignment. There's bright futures. All right, there's a bright future, I think, for the Mets. And they're fortunate the rest of the division's been so bad because they haven't fallen behind at all. They're still in first. So I think I, I'm not certain, but I think Tomas Nito might have better stats than McCann. He's been great. He, he has been great in his limited time, for sure. Um, by the way, to put the rest of it in perspective, the AL East plus 122 for their top three teams, probably about normal. Um, well, I say normal. That's what we do. I mean, we hit, right? Yep. The uh, oh, even and, though we hit, but we really pitch. Yeah, they pitch is more accurate this season so far. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, plus, Imagine if you give the Yankees the last couple years offense with this pitching staff. If you had this pitching staff in 2019, the Yankees would have won. There's no no doubt. In my, I mean, this is. It, it's almost a crime the offense has been the way it is because this is the pitching staff that Brian Cashman's wanted for 20 years, this whole century. This okay, is the best pitching staff this century in my mind. I know a lot of fans give Brian Cashman shit. The guy on the other side of his camera is one of them. Oh, yeah. Brian Cashman is still the fucking man. Brian Cashman, for every shit we, we knock him on, there's a Luke Voigt. Say what you want about Luke Voigt. No, he's awful on this team, but he's still a hell of a fine for what they got for him. Right now, yes, although I'll say Gallegos has turned himself into a nice reliever, but yeah, he's, a, he's, he's awful right now for anyone. I mean, he's then, just awful right now. Then you have guys like Gio Urshela, which is yeah, slowly creeping good. into the upper echelon of third baseman in this league. Yeah. Then you have bullpen guy after bullpen guy after bullpen guy. I mean, you got to give Cashman credit. Everyone shits on him for things, but you got to give him credit for some of the good stuff. I'm sorry. Cashman is a very high floor GM. 
he, I never, ever, ever, and this, there's something to be said for this. I've never in my entire life of fandom worried about being under 500. Even in 2013, 2014, when the Yankees just had a bunch of players who like should have been out of the league five years earlier, I never worried about losing 90 games. Uh, and to have that peace of mind, you can argue payroll, you can argue market, you can argue whatever you want. To have that peace of mind is unbelievable as a fan. To know that you're never, ever going to be out of it is great peace of mind. My problem with Cashman is the ceiling. And we'll see this year. If they went to the World Series and lost to the Padres or Dodgers, I do not at all blame Brian Cashman if that happens. But people will find a reason to. They'll find, oh, if we did this. They will, yeah. The one thing you can't account for, and I know you disagree with this, is injuries. I know you. There's guys that have in, injury. Better for them. Yeah, I know there's guys that have injury histories, and you have to create depth for that. Which that's what Brett Gardner was supposed to do, but Brett Gardner just decided to retire and not tell anyone. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I just, <laughs> I, I just, you know, Brian Cashman's the man. He, he, if he gets fired tomorrow, he gets a job within 24 hours. Oh, I have no doubt. Yeah, it's this is sort of how I feel about Luke Boyd. I think Brian Cashman's a great GM. I think if we keep losing for the same reasons every single year in a World Series window and he keeps a guy like Aaron Boone leading that ship, oh. he may not be the right man for this market anymore. That's just, that's how even, I feel Even when we do trade Luke Boyd, because I do believe we will trade Luke Boyd to maximize on that talent, whatever we get, whether it's a package or straight up, it costs you Giovanni Gallegos and that's it. I get it. I get it. If the if he trades Luke Boyd at this deadline and fires Aaron Boone regardless of outcome at the end of this year unless they win the World Series, he's right back in my good graces. But until he does those Wish things, for like an Aaron Boone scandal, because I'm like, yo, can we get a dick pic somewhere? Can we get somebody from 1902 saying that he did something inappropriate? A big scandal would come in handy right here. Give yeah. me a Me Too scandal. Give me something. I need something to just. Get behind and be like, yeah, fuck that guy, fire him. Yeah. I, I need something. Unfortunately, he's from California and spent most of his life in the Midwest. So you will never find any scandals on him whatsoever. He's like the most. It's gotta be a scandal. Maybe the nurse, when he tore his ACL, he hit on the nurse. Give me, just give me something to fire him. Anything. I completely agree. But any, so that, I, you know, Cashman to me has a lot of pride sometimes to a fault. And I think that's what we're dealing with. So Look, when you are a middle-aged white male that looks that nerdy and you tell Bernie Williams, Derek Jeter, Jorge Posada, Andy Pettit to suck your dick and they're no longer getting an extension and A-Rod and Mark Teixeira, you got to have a pretty big ego. He does some things well. Uh, the, the Jeter negotiations were masterful. He cut all their knees off and said, this is what you are. Yeah. This is what we're willing to pay you. And in Aaron and Sierra's case, hey, you're going to retire today. <laughs> Look, through 2018, great. No problems there. Even without the championships from 09 to 18, fine. It's been since then. You're in a World Series window. The microscope's a little bigger. Um, the, the spotlight's a little hotter. And uh, and he, he hasn't met expectations to me so far. So that's, you know, we'll see. Since but, we mentioned uh, Aaron Boone, we do have a segment on this show uh, called Boone. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. This was your baby, so take it away. <laughs> so on the night 
that Corey, Corey Kluver throws a no-hitter against the Texas Rangers, which was the team that traded for him the year before, and he pitched, what, one game or one inning? One inning. One inning for the Texas Rangers and never threw another pitch for them again. I guess they had a bunch of Corey Kluber bobbleheads that they made up, and some person decided, hey, Kluber's pitching today. We need something to give to the fans. Even though he's a Yankee, let's give away these Corey Kluber bobbleheads. So on the day that Corey Kluber threw a no-hitter against the Texas Rangers, they gave away Corey Kluber bobbleheads in a Texas Ranger uniform. Here's what I don't get about that. Because the, the defense, I think I think Daniel Tomlinson, who is a Rangers fan, gave me the reasoning, gave us the reasoning, which was that it was pre-planned. Um, but in my mind... Don't that shit. In my mind... He pitched one inning. So like, you think at any, and then he was out for the year. It's not like he like was due to, like, it's not like that one inning came in August or something. They didn't know if they were going to re-sign him. He pitched one inning in July last year in the pandemic year. We, they knew he wasn't going to come back. Why was that planned and why couldn't you cancel it? Like it would, even if you ordered that, it would be worth it to me to not distribute it. Give that shit away to a local children's hospital for like Toys for Tots or something. Give it away. Don't fucking issue them at the ballpark the day he's pitching against you. Yeah, well, so that's another thing. You can easily not have it when he's pitching against you. And also on top of that, what Rangers fan who saw him throw one inning is going to go home that day, regardless of how Cooper pitched against them, and, and like proudly display that bobblehead? Like that, that, nobody is going to take advantage of that bobblehead. No one, bro. No one. It's so it's such a weird, such a weird thing to do, and I don't buy the excuse. The excuse makes no sense. I, I think okay. it was the funniest shit that I've seen all week. It's funny though because now that bobblehead, I, was, I, I was trying to get one right to buy yeah. one. They're going on eBay for. $122, bro. Well, I was I was about to say the one nice thing is that's a collector's item now because it was there during a no-hitter. I mean, that'll go down in history forever. You have a Corey Kluber Rangers bobblehead. He pitched one inning. That in itself is going to be a trivia in the future. And he pitched it during a no-hitter in Texas. It's like the ultimate proof you were at that game. Look, if anybody, yeah. when we do our Secret Santa, I don't know if Joey's listening, but when Joey organizes the Secret Santa again, if anybody has me and they want to get me a Corey Kluber Texas Ranger bobblehead, I'm so with it. Yeah, that's he's got a rigged. I agree. Um, by the way, your, your score updates real quick: Phillies, Marlins tied at two; Indians, Tigers tied at two; Rockies up two nothing on the Mets in the third. Just checking to see if any. Oh, two home runs there. Orioles up one nothing on the Twins. That's a battle of last place, as we said. Hey. Padres Brewers, no score. And the, the Rays, when they won their 11th in a row, what a wild game that was. The Jays came out. So the Rays are up 5 nothing after one inning, which is, is what they've done lately. Uh, Blue Jays come all the way back to tie it in the 8th at 5. Rays didn't score again. And then in the 11th, the Rays scored seven runs, and the Jays scored one. They went 14-8. Very Tampa Bay thing, like you said. Yeah. It, to go – nine innings in a game and not score and then win by six runs. Yes, <laughs> that's impressive. That's a raised thing to do. 
Randy Rosarena starting to uh, figure it out up there at the top of that lineup. That dude is, uh, he's, he's what we thought he was going to be. That dude is something. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the Rays. Wait, he's leading off? He did today. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I'm sure it was a matchup related. I don't think he usually leads off. Yeah, it's Tampa Bay. They, they twerk shit like that. Yeah. I just um, work. Yeah, so I mean, in my mind, this has been the week of self-correction. Red Sox have fallen out of first. Wouldn't surprise me if they fell out of second by this time next week. The Rays are in first. They've self-corrected. They're now 11 over, 51 run differential. Uh, that's what I expected from them at this point in the year. White Sox still in first. They hit Earth a little bit without with their injuries. Oakland's in first, leading Houston. That's exactly how we imagined it. That's in first over the Braves by one and a half. Maybe this time next week, Braves might be in first. I'll give the Mets credit, man. The Mets have been playing hard. All the credit in the world. I just. They have four and six in their last 10, but you watch them play, they shouldn't be four and six. Yeah. Yeah. I know you don't get points for shit like that, but, you know, you hold it together during these injuries. I know I think Conforto and someone else was out. McNeil are going to be out for a month. Um, yeah, Nimmo's out too. Yeah, you hold the fort down until your, your main guys can come back. I think Syndergaard is scheduled to come back, you know, sometime early in the summer. The Mets can be dangerous, man. They're hanging around. I, I don't believe in the Phillies for nothing. Phillies, just, Phillies suck. No, they're terrible. Uh, Somebody I, I, in Phillies has to say, yo, we got to get rid of some of this talent, recoup some 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 guys, trade. Didi will get traded and then just get rid of we know the Phillies are perpetually mediocre. They're they're in that seventy-five to eighty-five range. Yeah, the Cincinnati Reds is what they are. Yep. Um, we knew the Marlins were going to regress hard this year. To their credit, by the way, they haven't regressed that hard. They're two under. Um, the Nationals were the one team where we kind of it was a little difficult to figure out where they were going to do. They're bad again. So Nationals, I think, are going to be the big-time sellers of the deadline. I think they'll be that team at the deadline. Everyone wants their pieces, Scherzer included. You you think Brian Cashman has the balls to pull off that trade, even though pitching is not what we need? This is just Justin Verlander at the deadline all over again. He's going to go to a team like the Astros, and it's going to piss me that hell off is exactly what's going to happen. Because say what you want, if the Yankees aren't hitting – then you pivot and you just you add to your pitching. Well, add that's to your what, yeah, that, that's what Brian Cashman does in a nutshell. I think we saw it in 2017. I, I mean, we did need bullpen help. He got Canley and Robertson and, and Frazier, but the the bat at the the move at the at the time was getting Frazier because they really needed offense. But he ended up beefing up an already good bullpen instead. He has an history of doing that. Cashman will pivot to whatever works. <laughs> if he if he can't address a flaw, he'll just reinforce a luxury i would not be opposed to giving up a pretty good prospect or two to have cole and scherzer be your number one and tool in the postseason i just i don't know i'm assuming scherzer's making a pretty penny this year uh, i'm gonna guess it's like 30 million so even prorated i don't think the yankees can afford it unless the nationals eat salary and if they eat salary the way you get them to eat salary is you throw in town you're talking like davey garcia probably as a centerpiece somewhat you know i yeah i i think that's weird garcia and uh and a hitting prospect i'm sure um he is making 27 this year 27 so no i take that back 
27 but 7 million is a signing bonus. His signing bonus was spread out 7.1 million for the life of the contract. I don't know how that calculates the luxury tax. Yeah, neither do I. Say his tax. Okay, it says his luxury tax number is 28. Okay, so you're looking at about 9 million prorated if they do the deal at the deadline. Uh, that's still too much that's for the big number. Yeah, that's a big number. So, so you'd have to, yeah, that's a big number. I, I don't see it. And that. keep in mind, they're going to make a trade for like a Sterling Marte. Yeah. Look, I mean, you're going to, this is where you call me really fucking crazy. Go ahead. It'll never happen, but it's not gonna whatever you're gonna say is not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen, but we're just having fun. We're talking shit like friends do. We just got a couple thousand people watching us. I mean look. Just give me Bryce Harper, man. Yeah, nope. <laughs> just give me give me the guy that we should have signed when he was a free agent to begin with. That conversation wouldn't even happen until this winter at the earliest. And even then it's never gonna happen. Um you would answer Brian's question. They're not. I don't. I think the Nationals are done. Uh, no, I think he's he's talking about the Phillies. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, right. Obviously, Harper's on the Phillies. Uh, yeah, I mean the Phillies can't get their shit together. They don't I, even really have a good form system, which is weird. To me. answer this question, which is do the do the Phillies win a World Series in Harper's prime? The answer yeah. is no. They don't win a World Series while Harper's playing. Yeah, I agree. Anymore, I don't right. think Harper finishes his contract with the Phillies. I don't see a scenario, and I'm speaking historically about the Phillies franchise. I don't see a scenario where the Phillies win the World Series in the next decade. I, if you're a Phillies fan, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be mean, but that's how it is. Mets are ahead of you as a franchise. Braves are perpetually ahead of you as a franchise. Marlins are ahead of you as a franchise. Nationals have more money that they're willing to spend and have proven they can get to that level better as a franchise, and that's just your own division. They it's have, not like the Dodgers or Padres who are probably going to be good for the next decade. They have the chance to be like Orioles bad for the next few years. Yeah, if I'm the Phillies, I would do what they didn't do when they were good, which is have a full nuts to bolt rebuild. They should be... Trade Aaron Nola, trade Bryce Harper, trade every fucking body. I agree. I, I would do that. Trading Bryce Harper like a small-scale Mookie Betts. I mean, Mookie Betts was a rental. Um, but the Red Sox, I will defend that to uh, Red Sox fans hate hearing it. That was a, I supported that move 100%. Harper to the Red Sox makes a shitload of sense. Red Sox this winter could be scary. Um, Harper to the Red Sox makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I agree. Harper to the Yankees would make sense too. It just won't happen. Yeah. And the Yankees are going to be more, I think they're going to get an importer. Um, Harper to the Yankees tells you that. Judge won't get re-signed. Right. Yeah. Uh, and even then, paying Harbor and Stanton is... A lot. It's not the best way to allocate your resources, put it that way. And then you add Hicks's 10 30, million. You got 30-something million for Cole, too. Yeah. Cole is $30 million. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so anyway, that's our, that, that's about everything for the week. Um, yeah, so I mean, we'll, we'll continue doing this. If you guys have any topics throughout the week that you want to talk about, uh, feel free to include that. We'll be happy to talk about it and, uh, and, and we can just continue shooting the shit. I mean, we want it to yeah. be organic. 
And I think we have discussed internally um, switching a few things around, um, you know, and I, I think we I think we do need to do that. So. Yeah, so we'll throw those options out there. Curious uh, what the public opinion is. One is that I need better lighting at this time of night, it seems like. Yes, yeah. and you need to fucking do something with those walls, brother. I uh, Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what room I want to do this in, and this may not be the answer, so we'll see. Uh, but anyway, so this has been Don City, episode 61. We will be back next Monday for now, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we'll talk to you guys as, as we go here throughout the week. We also want to throw out the power rankings we didn't discuss yet. Um, yeah, why not throw it up real quick? Yeah, all messed up. Okay. I don't have it in front of me. Do you have it in front of you? I don't. Rob, do you have it? I have it. Give me a second. Yeah, yeah. let's finish on this note. This affects everyone, uh, at least if your team was in the top 10 this past week. Well, these, the way, these, yeah, these are the MLB.com power rankings. So they're not like, yeah, like Bleacher Report, you know, op-ed dude. No, these are MLB.com power rankings that Rob is trying to find and share. <laughs> going to get to it. In the meantime, we'll do the other plug. The total bases, if you're sticking around, they're going to be on uh, around 8.30 tonight. And then it is the time of year for step back on Fridays. Uh, if you watched that Knicks Hawks game last night, that was an all time classic game. And uh, unfortunately, as, as it usually goes, Knicks lost. But I, Wait, I, I watched let, me, let, let me bring this baseball life uh, relevant. Yeah. In the middle of the garden yesterday, what yeah. breaks out a yeah. fuck out two way chant at MSG? My people, I rock with you. Never been prouder to be a Knicks fan, and that's saying a lot. Uh, or not saying much at yeah, all. Yeah, they had a fuck Trey Young champ, but that came back to bite us in the ass. Yeah, stick with the Altuve one. Everyone can agree with that. So here was your power rankings for this week. And note the date, because I got thrown off. I was like, this must be from Friday. Like, maybe. It's, it's not. Today. It's from today. Today. Yeah, Monday, the power rankings. Padres in first, fine. Uh, Red Sox in second, a little weird since they're not leading their own division, but okay. White Sox in third is where we start to have major problems because they just got swept by the Yankees and they have a worse record than the Yankees and they've been worse in the last 10 games. So I have no idea why the White Sox are in third. Yeah. Dodgers are in fourth. I see no reason why they shouldn't be second because they've won nine out of 10. They're right there with the Padres. So I don't understand anything three and four there the giants five i get why they're below the dodgers and padres i don't really get why they're above the giants <laughs> i mean not the yankees astros six over yankees makes no sense the yankees took two out of three from them and have a better record in a better division yep. and then the rays are in eighth which i can kind of understand why they might be right behind the yankees only because the yankees did take two out of three from them before their 11 game winning streak but they are in first place. That happened today. They were tied for first going into today, and they had won 10 in a row. But why the Yankees are seven and the Rays are eight, when the, and you have the White Sox third, Giants fifth, and Red Sox two, I have no idea. If I had to rank them one through five, I'd probably go Padres, Dodgers, Yankees, Red Sox. And I know the only reason I say Yankees over Red Sox is because how hot we've been and the competition we've played. 
where well, so that, yeah it's even if you even if you went like, boston even if you went boston over new york that's okay but i think the top five the top five has to be the padres the dodgers the yankees the red sox and the rays in some order yeah i was gonna say simplify it the top five has to be al east and nl west it yep. just has to be and the giants in my mind should be sixth like that's a clear sixth I'm okay. Uh, I'm okay with the White Sox being six because they were scorching coming into New York. Yeah, I mean after that, yeah, Giants, White Sox, A's, Astros. That's probably your six through nine, and then you start talking about the Cardinals, who are at least leading a division. Yeah. Um, they'd probably round out ten. I'm fine with that. But you're right. The top five in some order, and number one is probably Padres for me, and yep. number two is probably Dodgers for me. Um, but then after that, in some order, you have to have Yankees, Rays, and, and yeah. I think the top five, what we have as top five is is the right top five. These this whoever put this together just fucking maybe Benjamin Moore did it. I don't know, but yeah. So Rob, when you post this tomorrow, let's go on record as saying it should be Padres one, Dodgers two. I'm okay with putting the Red Sox three because they still led the division. Red Sox three. I think you have to go raise four because they haven't been lose last week. And then okay. you go Yankees five. Okay with that. The, 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 the Red Sox and the, and the Rays have been just as hot as the Yankees. Yeah. So I, I think that Padres, Dodgers, Red Sox, Rays, Yankees. And then we would go. I would go White Sox. White Sox six. Maybe Giants five. seven. Giants seven. Astros eight. A's nine. Cardinals ten. I would flip it. I'd have the cards and the A's. Okay. But again, yeah. at that point, you're talking, you know. Yeah, teams that won't be in the World Series. Um, did you get that, Rob? Got <laughs> it. <laughs> okay. So make sure you post that along with uh, with the standings that Austin posted earlier today. Dong City Power Rankings. Yeah. So everyone knows they're correct. Uh, we will be back next Monday, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Yes, uh, uh, well, have- no, we, we may not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we may not. We'll talk about it as the week goes on here, uh, probably starting tomorrow or Wednesday. Step back on Friday. The Audible's on tomorrow. Total Base is on right after us today, so be sure to tune into that. And then you've got work shoot on Thursday nights. Oh, you got it, baby. You got it. There we go. Yeah, I left the times out of it because that's too complicated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this has been Dong City. Thank you for joining us. We will be back, like we said, next week. And everyone, have a great night. Time out. Yep. I saw last week's episode. Yeah. Randy made me feel good when Randy did it. He filled in effort. That's the professional in Randy. Fucking he's love in news. Yeah. He knows Randy his signed key. off appropriately. So Randy, my man. I love you. I it. didn't tell him to do that either. He just did it on that's, his own. That's, that's talent, baby. Yeah. Like I know I'm not gonna do it. That's not my thing. Of course. It has to be the person in your seat and he did right. it without being told. I have an eye for talent, goddammit. Yeah. That was a great film. With with that said, Dong City, bitches.